0: This is Action
1: Sports Jacks on ESPN six ninety with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. A little bit of a skirmish near the line of scrimmage and everybody gets in there and says, Come on now. We well, got some tempers flaring over there. I see believe that it was coach Mullen and now this is starting to get a little bit out of
0: hand yeah Florida needs to get out of here they got a big game next week against Georgia and I think that's what Dan
1: Mullen was trying to do is prevent any any one of his players from doing something stupid this game, this game thrown.
0: yeah I don't really think that's what Dan Mullen was trying to do I think that's the problem with this story and Today, Dan Mullen reprimanded by the SEC. Hey, listen, he's not going broke because of it. $25,000 has nothing for these guys.
2: <laughs> what a slap on the wrist.
0: Yeah, I know. But I, I think the the notion of it at least showcases, in my opinion, that he was in the wrong. There's there's a bunch to unpack here on the Dan Mullen-Gators-Missouri fight. Brent Martineau. Here at San Jose Country Club, Austin Lane back in the Action Sports X Studios along with Stuart Weber pushing all the buttons. Hope everybody's doing well on a Monday. And, uh, wow, uh, that Saturday night football game was entertaining at least uh, through the first few minutes of halftime. Yeah. And it, here's the deal, okay? And you Listen, I don't know how you feel about it, Austin. I really don't. But it, I'm not a Gator fan, right? Mm-hmm. So if I was a Gator fan, I wouldn't mind what Dan Mullen did at all. I understand that side of it, and that's okay. Like, I get it. Uh, I would probably be like, yeah, that's my guy, right? And I think that's Absolutely. what Gator fans are doing, right? And that's fine. That's that's okay. But I'm not a Gator fan, and I'm not even <laughs> one of your rival's fans. I'm not a, any, a, I don't have an allegiance to any. And I'm just telling you what he did was incite that thing. That's the reality of it. Yeah. Like, he did nothing... And, and then, to be honest with you, we're going to hear from Mullen in a bit, but I thought then he kind of blatantly fibbed about it. I won't call him a liar. But he, fib, I mean, what he described, what he did going out there, was not what we saw him doing going out there. Uh, he did not try to de escalate that thing, at least initially. Yeah. And therefore, I think he escalated it. He did not go out there to lambaste the officials necessarily, and if he did, he got off, He got thrown off target because then he started lambasting players and coaches on Missouri mm-hmm. uh, verbally. So that's where this thing escalated. I mean, that's just the facts from a neutral observer, folks. I'm not. I mean, again, I get it if you're a Gator fan. I understand it. If you were a Knoll fan and Norvell did it, you'd like it too. If Sabin did it, and and you're a Crimson Tide fan, you'd love it too, but I would hammer those guys for it as well because they were in the wrong. I mean, this was, this is the first time I can really remember a coach like inciting a fight. And I think he did. I'm not saying he purposely meant to incite a fight, but his actions prompted people to take swings, three players to get ejected, two of his players to now miss the first half. And luckily not more, by the way, against Georgia here in Jacksonville next week.
2: Yeah, they got very lucky. Now keep in mind where I'm coming from. Very casual Florida Gators fan, right? Love the jersey store. I gave you guys your props there. Love you looking jerseys that Saturday night. Love They're the bread them the table. No, that's all one, and o, and that's all one and know? that's all that matters. One and know? that's all that matters. So I really have no dog in this fight. I'm not necessarily even the biggest SEC fan. But I'll be honest. As a former player, I loved what Dan Mullen did. Now, once again, I I have no dog in this fight right now, but I think in terms of earning that locker room trust, I think in terms of even recruiting, um, I think that Dan Mullen uh, just earned himself a a, a new stratosphere, if you will, of how he's perceived um, in that community and also in recruiting. Because here's why. Brent, you say it all the time. Like, to play the game of football, you got to be a little crazy, right? And, and one of the unwritten rules of football is is that if someone goes after one of your guys, they go after everybody. Now, you amplify that to, like, the nth degree when it's the quarterback, right? Like, there's a reason why the quarterback wears the red shirt in training camp. There's a reason why the quarterback, when he gets shoved a little extra after a play, the offensive line go after him. Because he's the general, he's the captain, he's the guy of that team. And any time that you're captain, you're general, the leader, and let's be honest, Kyle Trask, you know, being that guy, I mean, this guy's, you know, played in another echelon uh, in terms of his performances and in terms of his hype right now. So he's on another level. But whenever a quarterback gets hit like that, and let's be honest, it was definitely a late hit you know you have a right to i think to retaliate you know and that retaliation was led by dan mullen now let's not get it twisted here i like the fact that dan mullen went after that sideline a little bit and said hey what are you guys doing over there in missouri right because at the end of the day like that's not gonna fly with us especially in your house right especially in the swamp where you have your own fans kind of wondering what's going on as well so that kind of adds a little fire to the flame if you will a little fuel to the fire i should say but with that being said I like what Dan Mullen did. Now, when punches started to be thrown and things like that, which let's be honest, when Dan Mullen over there, that was bound to happen. I understand that. But at the same time, if you're a Florida Gators player, you got to be smarter than that. Grab a face mask, push them, do what you got to do, talk some smack, just say scoreboard if you have to. Because at the end of the day, whoever wins that game has the ultimate say. And obviously, Florida was well into winning that game. But do what you have to do, but you don't throw punches, right? Because the game this week, it's far too important to throw punches about against Missouri. So I actually like what Dan Mullen did. I liked how he kind of led his team over there because we talk about it all the time in pre games, right? When teams are working out and everything and all of a sudden, you know, you got two teams going back to back and they're talking, they're jaw jacking a little bit back and forth before the game. We all love that, right? Like we all see those highlights on college game day. It's like, well, look at these two teams going at it. This should be a real barn burner today. Like we love that. I also love that at halftime. I just don't love the punches being thrown.
0: Yeah, I do think, by the way, and you said it, but I should have said it to start. It was definitely a late hit on Trask. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was a dirty hit. I just know it was a late hit. And so there's a bunch of mixed messages here. Why is it the offensive lineman starting this fight, right? Because mm-hmm. that's what you're talking about, Austin. That's like kind of the unwritten rules. You're right? That That's like, hey, protect your guy, right? Yeah. And so why aren't you doing that? Well... The other part of this that I think is a little bit mixed, we talk discipline all the time. You played the game at collegiate level and the NFL level, and discipline's a big thing. So your coach most likely would say, hey, if you're going to mix it up, don't mix it up and throw punches and get yourself ejected and give us 15-yard flags. That's Mm -hmm. silly. That's stupid. That's something on a podium later in the game, after the game, the coach would be like, yeah, we can't do that. That's bad discipline. That's, That's... uh, you know, whatever. It's just it put us in a bad spot, right? Fifteen yards. Well, the coach went out and did what he tells his players not to do. Sure, sure. I mean, yeah, yeah. that's to me like the irony of this. Like you, you, you pull people away. I didn't see Dan Mullen pull anything away. But he wasn't throwing <laughs> punches though either, Brent. Well, <laughs> he wasn't, but I mean, he was basically a, 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 about as close as you could. I mean, it was it was face to face. It was verbally. It was. I'm going but, over yeah, that no, side. Listen, you know yeah. I mean it was it was every illustration, but and I'm again, I just feel like that's a little bit of a mixed message on a coach if players did that a la Javon Wims, which was a silly one. But if players do that, I don't think the coaches like that normally. They'll they'll usually say, hey, what are we doing here? This is stupid. That's a bad penalty. Mm. But meanwhile, the coaches out there kind of inciting that on Saturday night. Uh, it's a bit of a mixed message for me.
1: Mullen was ready to throw on those refs, by the way. Oh, no, one no, of those would have bowed up on him.
2: Mullen yeah. would have thrown Listen, down. I just think, in my own opinion, like Dan Mullen showed the point that this is a democracy. This is not a dictatorship because he had his players back. Right? Now, did he go about it the best way? Absolutely not. But there's a reason why when you watch NBA games or college basketball games that coaches get teed up. And sometimes coaches get thrown out. It's not because they want to get thrown out. It's because they're trying to find a little extra motivation, trying to light that fire for their teammates and uh, for their players and go, you know what, guys? I got your back here. I'll take one for the team. To me, Dan Mullen was trying to take one for the team. Now, obviously, he didn't foresee um, his players going over there and throwing punches and, you know, some getting suspended for half. He didn't foresee that kind of circumstance. But I think from a player's perspective, I think that he just gained a whole new, um, let's just say, amount of respect from that locker room just because he showed, you know what, guys? I got your back. If you have my back, I trust you. You trust me. Let's go to war together.
0: Yeah, and I I think you're right on that. I really do. And and I think that could help them and aid them this Saturday here in Jacksonville against Georgia. Uh, I just think you also – I think this game is huge for the Dan Mullen narrative because if they beat him – Well, then, hey, all this stuff, and he rallied them, and everything you just said will come to fruition, and they beat Georgia. If they don't win, and now he's 0-3 against Kirby Smart in Georgia, well, then it takes on a little bit of a different narrative. And I'm not saying it necessarily goes back to just Saturday night, but it might go back to the last month. And the last month with the pandemic... Uh, we're trying to get 90,000 in the swamp with all that noise. And then on top of this on Saturday, I don't know if it's a good national narrative at look for Dan Mullen. Uh, even if. Gator Nation absolutely loves what went down on Saturday night. Uh, let's hear from Dan Mullen. And, and again, the part that gets me, he said this in his postgame right on the field, and he said it in the press conference, too, in a Darth Vader Halloween costume. <laughs> That's right. And, which, by the way, that part didn't fi- bother me at all. I mean, although yeah. probably—but But if you mm. listen to the words of this, maybe the Darth Vader was intentional, hiding from the actual truth. Mm. Because I don't really feel what he said is what he actually did especially the early part i didn't see it i was watching the play down the field to see if there was pass interference on the player if we made the catch and then guys are like hey i mean they really they, they, I, I got told they hit him late and you know what i mean our guys are going to defend their quarterback and i think our, our guys started to do that okay so see, see my problem with it is like so mullen didn't see it which uh, so he's following the ball down the field but he gets told about the cheap shot according to his guys and he got that enraged that quickly? Why not? And then he later says I was going to break things up. Well, he does not try to break anything up initially. He, he once again is a, an instigator. You didn't hear that part of it, but he's mm-hmm. an instigator in the way he is enraged going across the field. I would just, I, I'm also surprised that he didn't see it and he got that fired up that quickly. Uh, Which, again, I think is a borderline – it was definitely a late hit. Whether you want to call that a cheap shot on Trask or not, I think is debatable.
2: Well, I mean, in my opinion, watching that hit, I think the intention was to try to hurt Trask. And that's just my thought. That's just my opinion about it, especially when the ball was already thrown. Um, You know, whether Mullen was the instigator or not, once again, I just go back to – this is – listen, you can't be – um, in a hundred percent sane state of mind to play the game of football. There, there's going to be emotions. Um, you know, the, 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 there's going to be you know just high intensity. Um, sometimes to- toxic masculinity. Say what you want. The game's not for everybody. Okay? And it's as simple as that. Now, everybody can play the game of football. If you're a kid, sometimes where it's like, you know what, maybe another sport's better for you. But with this situation right here, once again, whether Dan Mullen saw his quarterback at you know, quote-unquote, I say that in quotes, cheap-shotted or not, the fact that the reaction on the sidelines was that, the fact that the players on the field were probably ticked off, like, Dan Mullen sensed that, he used that, and he went over to try to set that stuff straight with Missouri. Now, once again, punches should not, never been thrown. I understand that but i'm all for a coach going to defend his player especially the most important player on the field in the quarterback position
0: yeah i would say this too you know th- there's a part of me and i always say this okay so if you listen to me over the years enough uh you know this is what i believe i believe in big time college football and big time college basketball the egos reign supreme when it comes to the guys on the sideline i think head coaches um are all about their themselves. I mean, in a lot of ways, that doesn't mean I don't think they're trying to do what's best for their kids and all that. But they're trying to win games and they're trying to prop themselves up. And and again, this was another illustration of, hey, I'm Dan Mullen and this is all about me because I'm the head coach at Florida and I make six million dollars a year or whatever it is. I, it just, it just feels like that when these guys do some of these things. And Mullen then actually comes out like it's like it's an AEW event at Daly's place. Yeah. Gets the crowd fired up again. Yeah, I, mean, it was I wanted just that extra like, pop. It was just wild, you know, just a wild scene again. I, I think it's um, it's it's, it's fantastic to see the difference of opinions. You know, I get it from the Gator fan. You're not even a Gator fan, Austin, and no. you kind of liked it, which which I appreciate. Um, I I just don't. I don't like the look of it. I well, I don't necessarily hate the look of it. I'm not okay I'm okay with that. I don't mind actually fights in sports sometimes. It's it's okay. I'm just trying to call it a for what it is. And I believe Mullen incited that. Like I don't know if they would have fought at all and I'm not sure anybody gets ejected if Mullen doesn't do well, what he did. That that's yeah. just the reality for me. Well let
2: me ask you this. So I think it was twenty to seven going into halftime. How did the Florida Gators play in the third quarter? Yeah, they played well. I mean, it was it not their best quarter of football? Stuart, would you agree? The, the third quarter? Best quarter of football they played? Yeah, I don't know about their best quarter. I mean, they, they held them to zero points. I'm, I'm saying the best quarter of football in this game. Oh, I get what you're saying. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, they,
1: yeah, they, they, were, they, know, they were fired up the rest of the way. Yeah, there you go. No, no. So mission accomplished.
0: Yeah, uh, mission accomplished if you go and do it again this week. That's my, you beat Missouri, man. I mean, you're already beating them. They gave it to you late in the last two minutes, and you're up 20 to 7. It's not like the game was in doubt, and it's not like you were down 20 to 7 and came back and won, and this is what got you going. But I understand what you're saying. I understand coaches do that sometimes. To me, I kind of put this in a, you know what a category, and Stuart, jump in. You're a Gator fan, so you'll know this especially with the uh, Georgia-Florida game coming up. But I kind of put it in the whole Mark Richt celebration in the end zone game uh, in a different way. Like, that's what Austin's talking about. What are you going to do to get your team fired up? And, and so I, I get that. Uh, but it's not like Richt ran out on the field that day and celebrated.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? I, I get what you're saying, Um it, you know, relating it to the time when the entire team came out for Georgia here in Jacksonville yeah. and you know celebrated that way, but that was that was Georgia, Florida, Florida, Georgia. That wasn't Florida, Missouri. You know, yeah. And in the grand scheme of things, all due respect to Missouri, it did, The game was already won. What are you worried about Missouri for? You should be worried about keeping your guys ready to go for Georgia. Heck, do it early in the Georgia game if you want to get them. You know fired up for that one but I don't know I just don't know how much that that stuff carries over well who knows I mean maybe you know it galvanizes the group and you know they all come together this week and say hey we we got to go defend ourselves again in Jacksonville this week
2: yeah I mean listen at the end of the day if Florida gets beat by Georgia we'll be talking about it Possibly. I I just think the whole goal of Dan Mullen here was to say, guys, I got your back. If a dirty hit happens, which I think is dirty, I'm going to have your back. I'm going to try to set stuff straight. We can't be throwing punches, but you better believe that even though I can't play on the field with you, if something goes down, I got your back.
0: Yeah, and I think, uh, by the way, I believe this storyline does carry over win or lose against Georgia on Saturday. And by the way, that's coming up. Georgia, Florida here in Jacksonville. How different is this going to be? Uh, This is. This is so festive, like again, I'm not a fan of either team, but this is what kinda identifies the city uh for this week and this month in the college football season is this football game, you know I mean this is where this is a bucket list game for sports fans, and now you get no r v city, no Florida Georgia Hall of Fame luncheon. No tailgating um in the lots where it will stink and beer cans will be splattered everywhere and college kids are on top of vehicles and stuff that we can't even describe on radio is happening. Uh
2: well oh. that and well that plus I can't with Tim Tebow this year either. So it's just, it's just a bummer all around right now.
0: <laughs> yes, last year we were with lick and Wingo at Insta yeah. Chineo, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that morning of so how different is this going to be? given the pandemic and the limitations that are on this game?
2: Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, it's going to be very different, right? Because my first, I guess, taste of for Florida Georgia weekend, Georgia Florida weekend was my rookie year here in the NFL. Like I had no idea. I'm coming from Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin does tailgating pretty well. You know what I'm saying, things like that. And obviously Murray State, uh, it's a basketball <laughs> school, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, but when I got to Jacksonville, like listen, we I think we were on a, we had a way game uh, obviously on Sunday, yep. and I get to the stadium on Tuesday of Florida Georgia week and there's people tailgating and I'm like, what, what is, go-? I had no idea I mean, I heard it's called the largest cocktail party but I didn't know what that even meant so I get to the stadium on Tuesday and I see RVs already being set up, I'm like, what is the game on Thursday? Is it a Thursday night game? What am I missing? I get to the locker room and obviously I got guys telling me, yeah, that's Florida Georgia weekend, man, they get there Tuesday sometimes to tailgate for that game Saturday so, um, to me, that's what makes it so big, it's, it's the atmosphere it's the people and the fact that you take those things away, um, you kind of take away the, the heart uh of, of the event you know you take away the lifeblood if you will so it's definitely going to be different but at the same time i mean um things you know like obviously precautions have to be taken with covid-19 and things like that so i get it i'm just saying it's going to be com- completely different now
0: yeah and i think the game takes on a lot of different uh storylines as well richard lecount story up there in athens uh with the motorcycle accident he's maybe their best player on defense the Gators' defense played well, obviously played their best game uh, against Missouri, but was that Missouri, or can they do that against Georgia? Can Georgia keep up with Florida's offense? I think there are a lot of different storylines. Obviously, we get into them a little bit more along the way, uh, and uh, also all week long here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. All
2: right, Brett. More, what's that? So, so what we learn in NFL players and college football players, if it's a one-on-one fight, go for the takedown. Go for down. the legs. Go a, for the legs. If it's a group fight, just grab the face mask as hard as you can and don't let go.
0: Come on, kids. I think they should put that on the like that.
2: <laughs> it should be like a Tommy Nansky video, Brett. That's what we should do. ESPN 690, how do you handle yourself in a football fight?
0: You know... You just brought that up, and now I know that's going to happen. Oh, yeah. Like, now we are going it's to a do thing.
1: that. It's a thing, that's and good. you better believe it's going to be like super it. cheesy, super cheesy dialogue. We'll bring Kuz back for that one. Uh, <laughs> I love it.
0: <laughs> All right, uh, more to come here from uh, San Jose Country Club. We're at the Unconquered Golf Tournament on ESPN 690. Mark Some uh, NBA play-by-play here this week as well. Right here on ESPN 690. Austin Lane. <laughs> uh, uh, you right. <laughs> yeah, I know. You looked good. over like, are you going to make it? Yeah, man. <laughs> I think so, we're all good here. Man. Hey, listen, I, I get choked up about the new lineup.
1: Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690.
0: I'm just like everybody else in the aspect of I mean, I'm, I'm doing this job to win, not to not to go out there and you know get my face stomped in, it's just like all the rest of these guys in the locker.
2: <laughs> Jets head coach Adam Gase did he mean not like the rest of the guys in this locker room where you go out there and not get you know get your face stomped in, or does he mean the guy's face has already been stomped in and he's just referring back to them right now? Begs the question. Mm. Rough showing though in Kansas City for the New York Jets. Kept it competitive for the first you know. Two minutes three, minutes, three minutes, and then uh, and then Patrick Mahomes said, "Oh yeah, that's right. I'm Patrick Mahomes. Check this out. Um, have you seen my State Farm commercials? Discount double check for everybody." And yeah, it was a rough game for the New York Jets, to say the least.
0: Ah uh, yeah, the, we need the Jets to do better, man. Yeah, I mean, hey, I
2: don't know what to. T- what, did you see what Bill Belichick said today? No. He said so because well, I think they're playing the Jets this week. Bill Belichick said that the Jets are a lot better than they were last year.
0: Hmm. Okie dokie. Yeah. So this might be, by the way, this could be a chance for the Jets to get a W.
2: Easy, Brent. Easy now. Steady, right? Because my bet depends on the Patriots winning uh, against the Jets. So I'm gonna need you to retract that statement, please.
0: No, we. Come on, man. Uh, Bite your ego for the good of the organization.
2: For the good of this organization or the? Yes. No, man. I'm all set. You, you, you Listen, I understand the whole tanking narrative because I said the T-word, all right? I know it's kind of frowned upon, but it's tanking. Let's call it like it is. But at the end of the day, I can never cheer for a team to lose, or at least you know the team that I cover to lose. I just can't do it. I'm sorry. I'm too prideful.
0: Yeah, you're weak, mentally weak. I am. Uh, hey, Sometimes I am. you got to think bigger. Sometimes you go backwards to go forwards.
2: I understand that, man. At the end of the day, I'm just not wired like that, Brent. It is what it is, man.
0: <laughs> I guess I appreciate that about you.
2: Yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe not. Mama didn't raise no loser.
0: Hey, uh, we're, we're going to get into uh, what everybody did this weekend and it actually did help the Jaguars a little bit more about the NFL as well. But uh, just a quick thought on uh, because it's J- Georgia Florida week two, and uh, do you, I mean like I don't even do you see the Vegas line? Is are the Gators favored? Because I feel like they should be.
2: Oh, uh, I can check it out quick. I haven't seen it. Looking uh, it up right now.
0: Yeah, you haven't got that far in your. I mean, am I what? Am I habit? it? No, I don't I
2: don't really bet college football, man. It's way too crazy. Yeah. Uh, uh, Stuart, you got that those odds? Well, okay. Well, get, feel free to talk in the microphone and tell us what they
1: are. Yeah, I'm pulling it up Don't here, give me chief. a thumbs up. Uh, oh, hey, don't call me Chief. We got Georgia three-and-a-half point favorite. Really? That surprises me. Does that surprise you, Weber? Uh, I don't know. Probably not. I mean, Georgia's, Georgia's dominated the last couple of years, and... They don't have as bad of a loss this year as the Gators do.
0: Yeah, I, I would say this, okay? for My view on this has been Georgia has way, has the talent the last few years, and Florida's trying to close the gap. And the question, they've closed the gap a little bit, but not enough to say, okay, they, here they are. And all of a sudden now, coming into this game... I'm not even con- so sure they've closed the talent gap, man-to-man, position-by-position. Position. But I just feel like the style of this game, it- it's like if the Gators score over 24, I think they win. Mm. And the Gators have been pretty darn good on offense. So i it's a big moment for Trask, and it's a big moment for Mullen, and I think they know that. And who knows? This dog's defense could be really, really good. But they also got beat up last week. It's not just Richard LeCount. They got beat up on Saturday. But I just feel like it's a 24-point game. To me, I'd put that as 24-and-a-half, so the over-under. If, if Florida goes over 24-and-a-half, they win the football game in my estimation. And right now, I would say, Austin, the odds are they'll go over 24-and-a-half. Yeah, I mean, it's not a
2: bad call, right? You have a, a very stout defense versus a very high-powered offense. And when we've seen these showdowns take place, it seems like this year, uh, more than any year, um, the offense has had the advantage. So I definitely agree with you here. I mean, I'm a little thrown off by the plus three and a half here. Um Obviously, I think Florida, and once again, how much you want to buy into the whole Mullen hype where he got his guys fired up for the Missouri game with the halftime shenanigans. Um, but I think Florida's going to come ready to play. And I think that offense is going to be firing all cylinders. So I'm not sure if Georgia keep, can keep up in a track meet or not. But that, that number right now, I expect it to, to probably go down a little bit for Florida. Maybe be even like a pick 'em game when it's all said and done.
0: Yeah, we'll get more into the uh, Georgia-Florida game coming up, of course, in Jacksonville this week. Also, a little note or two on Florida State as we are here at the Unconquered Invitational Golf Tournament at San Jose Country Club. Uh, A bunch of Florida State uh, fans, alums, and uh, they are here at this golf event. And so we are, too, the official station of the Florida State Seminoles, football and basketball right here in Jacksonville, right here on ESPN 690. Back to the Jags and back to the NFL. Man, we got some big-time help this week. The Atlanta Falcons win. The Cincinnati Bengals, even though they had that tie, get win number two. The uh, uh, Minnesota Vikings beat the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, They get win number two, which means they're going to win more games. You beat the Packers on the road, you're going to win more games. It was a good week. Now, here's what's left. The Jets still stink mightily. <laughs> the Giants, Giants have one win, and they play tonight, and they're going to lose to Tampa. But that division certainly gives you some faith that they could pull off a win or two, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, it, to me it comes down to one team, really, and one team only, and that's the New York Jets. Like, I, I think right now that if you're in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes, the Jets are the team to lose, or I guess the team to beat, uh, uh, team to beat and losing, Um, you would say. Well put. So well, very well. Put. Thank you very. Uh, it took me a little while, but I got there eventually. So with that being said, I think that the Jets are probably the only team, Brent. Like I think the Giants, like you said, they're probably going to win a couple more games. Vikings are fine; don't worry about them. Texans are fine; don't worry about them. Uh, it comes down to the Jets and the and the, the Adam Gases, if you will.
0: Uh, I am starting to think about this scenario. Okay, I'm not sure about the Jets winning a game. I don't need necessarily to have Trevor Lawrence. I'm starting to fall in love with Justin Fields. Oh, wow. Oh, wow,
1: Brent. So, so we're going from tank for Trevor to fail for Fields? I like that. Flop for Fields? Fail
2: for, I mean, fail is the, the easy one. Is that where we're at, Brent?
0: Ah, uh, I, here's the thing, okay? I, I know getting the number one, I've covered a lot of bad Jags. And I know getting the number one overall pick is very, very difficult. I also know getting, uh, to be one in 15 is very difficult. That's something the Jags haven't done in franchise hi- history. In my view, and maybe this is trying to get void of being disappointed, I just want one or two of the, one of the two guys. I don't need Trevor Lawrence. If you give me Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, that is certainly okay by me. Because now you've got a guy you can believe in, and it doesn't have to be Trevor. And sometimes, as you've brought this up before, I think you've got to go back to Peyton Manning, where that number one pick has given you a Super Bowl title, although now you start looking at Joe Burrow and you look at Kyle Murray and those sure, guys, and yeah. wait a minute, now those number <laughs> one overall guys aren't too bad. Yeah. Uh, so, But you need a guy, okay? And right now there are two guys on the board that make absolute sense. The other ones you start reaching for, and you're like, I don't know, okay, maybe, but probably should. These two guys you don't they don't come with that. And so maybe I'm just trying to prevent myself from oh dang they didn't get Trevor. But I'm okay with Justin Fields, man. I watch Listen, we watched them all last year. But as you watch them closer and closer, I wonder if the narrative will start to spin a little bit down the road and closer to April. If this guy could be even better than Trevor.
2: All right. Well, well, then, I mean, obviously, this warrants the question, the most important question. What have you seen from Justin Fields so far that warrants you to say, you know what, Trevor Lawrence, best of luck to you, man, but we don't need you anymore?
0: Yeah. Uh, he's one of two really, really good guys. Um, does not He's super accurate. He's got a great command of this offense. Mm-hmm. Great command. A guy who's been in the system for a little over the year. I love the maturity of both of these guys that they showed in the last six months from a leadership standpoint on the positioning of wanting to play football in this pandemic. They both showcased that. Trevor Lawrence did, and so did Justin Fields. So I think there's this intangible about both of these young men that are really good. And I think that's what we often leave out of these equations is the, you know, the Russell Wilson leadership right? Yeah. the Joe Burrow has this cool nature about him where his heart rate doesn't move. And that's been the case ever since he started playing ball, not just when he got good at LSU last year. Those are things that they don't show up in stat sheets, but I feel like both of these guys have. And I, I just feel like Fields, maybe because he hasn't come with as much oh my gosh, Trevor Lawrence is the next Joe Montana, Peyton, Manning, Tom Brady, that he may end up being that (laughs) because it's a it's a boomer bust position especially at the top of the draft i think both guys are going to be tremendous players in the nfl i think if you match fields up with the right style right coach right everything kind of like he is with ryan day and and by the way he might not have been this good at georgia i think he has matched up with ryan day and and what they're doing in in columbus ohio perfectly and so if as i watch that unfold And you give him time in the NFL, maybe here in Jacksonville, say. I, I just feel like, man, this guy can, can, he can be the guy. I think he's proven that in short order in Columbus and i think um he might be special at the next level too
2: yeah i mean the and i listen a lot of things you said i agree with for sure um you know we watching that penn state game i mean this is the guy this is, he has all the intangibles and all the characteristics of a quarterback of the future right we talk about all the time a guy who's good out of the pocket a guy who has the capabilities to to beat you with his footwork and Justin Fields obviously has that as does trevor lawrence um at the end of the day, like, listen, I, I think it's going to be a close comparison, and I agree with you. Regardless if it's going to be Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence, um, I'll take either one to me the only edge right now and it's it's a small edge and i'm not sure how much it means because if you go back to joe burrow well joe burrow had one good year and that was about it and now look what he's doing um i like the fact that trevor lawrence everywhere he's been he's been kind of like the, that winner right i mean he he's won the biggest of games high school college and that means something to me now granted yeah he he had a rough uh cost you know a, a, a cfb last year a little bit but um And if anything, I think he cemented his Heisman hopes because he didn't play in this last game, and they almost got beat by Boston College. It goes to show you just how valuable Trevor Lawrence is to that Clemson team, right? Because we hear all the time, well, Trevor Lawrence has all these weapons. He has ETN. He's got really good receivers. He's got a great defense. You take Trevor Lawrence out of that offense and off that team, and you see what happens at home against Boston College. So I think the edge right now from what I've seen so far, it is with Trevor Lawrence, But if I see Justin Fields play a couple more games and he keeps doing what he's doing, I can see where he's coming from and saying that Fields might be the guy to get.
0: Yeah, listen, I think all you said about Trevor Lawrence. What's interesting now is you know Trevor Lawrence isn't the Heisman favorite anymore. Uh, because he's going to miss these next two games. I mean, obviously yeah. last weekend, this week. Yeah, yeah. Which surprises me. I mean, boy, that's quick. I but know, But if you man. miss two games in this kind of season, can you be the Heisman Trophy winner? I don't know. I mean, if you started in late October, can you be the Heisman Trophy winner? But I think also how good Fields has looked. Uh, again, I, I'm an either-or guy here. The bottom line is Jags need, most likely will need one of these two guys to flip this thing around. And... I'm certainly okay with what I've seen from fields. Last year, first couple of games this year, in the offseason, uh, the willingness to play. I just really like the intangibles of both these guys that I've seen from afar. Um, we don't know them too well, but from afar for sure. So uh, we'll see what happens. Hey, more on the NFL. Uh, like I said, the Jags did get help from other, some of those teams. Tua started. Well, that was wacky. <laughs> I mean, some of these young guys are playing really good football. Yeah, Tua got the W, but I'm not sure he played really good football. Yeah, I mean I'm not sure. To, take
2: away. Hey, I mean, let
0: me ask you this, Brent:
2: Do you give him a check mark or do you give him a minus? <laughs>
0: yeah, well,
2: I we'll mean, talk about he, it yeah, you won back. the game, but ugh.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll come back uh, from San Jose Country Club on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. really fun. It, it always feels good throwing a test. <laughs> and being able to celebrate with your team and your teammates on the sideline are celebrating as well. It's not easy, especially, like I said, scoring against a defense like that. Enjoying the moment every time. Just enjoying the moment and I'm keeping the ball. <laughs> <laughs> what if Devontae Parker wanted the ball? Tua? <laughs> uh, by the way, Russell Wilson and Tua, are they like related somehow? Right. They sound just alike. That they do. Um, Two a time in South Florida.
2: Two a time. I mean, do you do you, you know? Do you really keep that game ball though? Right. <laughs> like I mean, listen, yeah, but and listen, 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 listen. Big win for the Dolphins, right? Yeah, the Rams coming over. Rams were kind of a surging team a little bit, and safe to say that the, the Dolphins curb stomped them to say the least. So props to the Dolphins for doing that. With that being said, though. If you're gonna look at Tua's numbers real quick, I mean, ninety-three. Do you do you keep that game ball, a little bit? Do You keep that. Or do you give it to somebody else. Uh, give I it to it it. Anyway. give it to the defense. How does that sound?
0: Listen, I I love the kid's perspective. I think he's a special guy too. But I uh, I keep the ball because I didn't even know if I'd play in the NFL after (laughs) after my last game. You know that that is a great
2: point. That's a great point.
0: And listen, I am not about to sit here and tell you off one game that oh no, two is not going to make it. He's not going to be good. All this stuff. But wow, I mean, it's hard to throw for under a hundred yards in the NFL. I mean, seriously, it is like it's hard. It's hard to do that. Yeah. This day and age. Now, defense did kind of win the day. I mean, defense coming back to life now. Ah. They're, on, they're on the respirator for a Le- bit. Hey, let's go ahead and see what happens, you see
2: what happens? <laughs> when, when the Big Ten comes back. It's contagious. <laughs> yes. Let's make defenses great again, Brent. That's my slogan. I'm campaigning yeah,
0: it. You better campaign. You got another day for that campaign. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, uh, on top of that, it's Mother Nature came back. Yeah, in a yeah way, that's right. A
2: good point. That's a great point. <laughs> yeah.
0: but, but wow, I mean. First of all, I was, I was stunned. I was watching mostly the Ravens and Steelers game. Mm. Uh, but I couldn't believe it was 21-7. I am like, wow, two is putting on a show here. Because I I bopped back and forth a little bit, saw him throw the first touchdown. And it's 21-7. I'm like, holy cats, he must be lighting it up. I look it up. He's, they've got 49 total yards. <laughs> for <laughs> and sure. they're up 21-7. I'm like, holy cats, what are we doing here? And so uh, it never really got better. Jayla Ramsey didn't play because he was sick for most of that game. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know the Rams defense is pretty good, but actually they did a good job. You know after Aaron Donald's first sack, they did a pretty good job on uh, protecting Tua. Yeah. They didn't give up another sack. I don't think the remainder of the day. I I don't know. I it just the number test is like whoa that is not a checkmark game even though we got to win and give it to Miami. They're four or five now and they're right in the middle of things for that for a wild card spot in the AFC. I, I just – they're going to have to get a little bit more out of Tua yeah. if well, they're going to do that. Well, listen, and
2: this is, in my opinion, why, why this game is the greatest game ever. Because, like, if you break it down, Rams had 92 total plays, 471 yards of offense, 36 minutes of time of possession. The Dolphins – 48 plays, 145 yards of total offense, and 23 minutes total possession. If you would have broke those numbers down on me, I'd be like, ooh, not a good one for two on the Dolphins. Obviously, the Rams went over there, took care of business. We'll see you back on the West Coast, which is sometimes called the Best Coast. With that being said, the Dolphins win by 11 points. It's just, it, it's crazy to fathom, but um, that's what the NFL works sometimes.
0: All right, I'm going to give you another guy. Yep. Did we set the bar too high for Lamar Jackson? Did he set Man. the bar too high? Because this, this is This isn't just a yesterday thing, okay? He looked off yesterday, and in a critical fourth and three, they elect to run him up the middle because, quite frankly, I don't think they trust his arm right now. He's not doing a great job throwing the football. He's turning the football over, and, yeah, the legs are helping him out at times, and they were still right in that game. But this is not the same Lamar Jackson. I have him on my fantasy team. This is not the same Lamar Jackson that was on your (laughs) fantasy team last year.
2: And that's why I didn't take him this year. Uh, listen, I mean, you said you watched the game. I watched a lot of the, this game as well just because, obviously, that was kind of the showcase game yesterday. And, like, see, to me, the way this Ravens offense is looking right now, it's there's a lot of, I guess, resemblance to last season, right? But I think the wrinkle that's been put in this offense this year for the Ravens is the fact that they're giving Jackson more reads, but for whatever reason, like he's not making those reads. Like I, I saw like four or five times where he had like Dobbins down the middle, wide open. Um, you know that that's his that's his uh back out of the backfield or whatever like that. Like he had a couple guys that were wide open a few times, and he just failed to recognize them. Either he just took off and rolled with it, or he stared down a receiver and had a bad throw. So, to me, it's it's just the fact that Lamar Jackson right now just doesn't seem poised, doesn't seem confident, and seems to only be making one of his reads when he's back there standing in the pocket. And then, obviously, when he takes off now, well, defenses, at least talented defenses like the Steelers, they're hip to the game. They're QB spying him, right? They're trying to keep him contained as much as possible, a la what the Tennessee Titans did in the playoffs last year. So I think you're seeing a, uh, teams right now get hit to the game a little bit, but you're also seeing Jackson not being able to make those wide-open reads and convert those.
0: Listen, they don't have as many tight ends. Hayden Hurst now in Atlanta, yeah. by the way, playing pretty good football. Mark Ingram was out again, so he hasn't been healthy and active. I understand that was Pittsburgh's defense. So if I'm a Ravens fan, I'm like, hey, settle down, man. That's a good defense. We'll get him later. It's okay. It's early in the year. I feel like, though, that wasn't just Pittsburgh's defense. I feel like if you've watched Lamar Jackson, he's not the same guy. Something's a little amiss. It might be the tight ends. It might be Ingram. Something's a little off. They have a Super Bowl team, man. Yeah. Super Bowl team. But they can't have Lamar Jackson playing like this if they're going to win the Super Bowl. No, without a doubt. And you know
2: what? And, and I hate to say this because Ingram was on my fantasy team. I think that the the Ravens offense is actually better without Ingram right now. I think J.K. Dobbins kind of made a name for himself a little bit. Edwards, too, had a lot of yards rushing. But I think J.K. Dobbins kind of offers that, that versatility, not, not only in the receiving game, but also in the r- r- run game as well. I mean, I compare it to Alvin Kamara when he's with the Saints. There was a time where Alvin Kamara was only a third down back because of who? Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram moves on, Alvin Kamara takes over as an every down back, and now he is what he is today. I feel like I see the same thing out of uh, J.K. Dobbins a little bit. So I wonder if they go with J.K. Dobbins more now, and that kind of opens up the offense a little bit.
0: We'll be back on ESPN. 690. We come back. More on the Jake Luton starting on Sunday Conversation.